what does it look like to live a life in the Spirit? More specifically, what does it look like for you, you, to live a life in the Spirit? This is the question that we're going to engage with today. And the thing is, I can't answer that for you. This is a question that we individually, each of us, are going to be wrestling with. We've been in a sermon series, two sermon series, about the book of Acts. The first one, kind of orienting ourselves to the book of Acts, looking at different subjects, different angles uh, of this book. Then, most recently, if you've been here in the past few weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Ghost Stories, specifically looking at the Holy Spirit, its work, its power, how the Holy Spirit functions, not just in examples in the book of Acts, but in our lives. And... Craig has mentioned that oftentimes, and why it's important that we really emphasize this, is that unfortunately we've sometimes had the Holy Spirit take a, a back seat to our conversations. Part of this just happens subconsciously, I think, for us in the West, um, Western philosophy, the Enlightenment, uh, the scientific revolution. It has taught us, you know, all of our upbringing has been just seeing the world around us, just seeing things by observation. And we've kind of neglected the spiritual realm. Even Christians, we believe in the spiritual realm. We a little bit have just put that to the back seat. Part of it too, and I think it's important for us to understand this, is in our Christian tradition, and I don't mean just like the broader capital C church Christian tradition, but our Lebanon Christian Church's Christian tradition, our restoration movement, um, the non-denominational churches, right? We're not a Pentecostal church that puts more of a high emphasis on the Holy Spirit. We say, well, we, we, we believe these certain things and we want to be a little bit more accurate, but oftentimes the pendulum may swing a little bit far in the wrong direction. And again, we make the Holy Spirit take a back seat. The Holy Spirit obviously hasn't taken a back seat in the book of Acts. And we're looking at that and we're engaging with the question, what does it look like for you to live a life in the power of the Spirit? I want us to create this posture of engagement where you really are thinking about this. I'm not gonna share hardly anything new uh, with you this morning. This is the question I want you to wrestle with. And so two different things I really want to try to intentionally put ourselves in a posture to encounter this question. First, and this might make you just slightly uncomfortable, but we didn't come to church to be comfortable. Uh, in a minute, well, okay, I'll hold that for a second, keep the suspense on. Uh, I want you guys to engage this, this chapter four of Acts with your own Bible. If you brought your physical Bible with you, open to the uh, Acts chapter 4. And if you didn't, you probably have the Bible app on your phone. Get the Bible app out and go to Acts chapter 4. I am going to have the words on the screen because I know um, sometimes with dim lights or if you're a little bit hard of seeing that it helps to have it on the screen. For everyone else, please engage this scripture with your own device. And we're even going to have a few people from guest services out here. If you don't have your own Bible with you, if you don't have the Bible app on your phone, um, I heard the internet's not doing so great. Someone hit the, something with the car, so it's going to be hard to download it. We have a few people with Bibles right here. If you need a Bible, grab it. Um, from one of these individuals. So when you do that, though, here's the other thing I want you to do to have this posture. If you're in the first four rows, 
in this auditorium, okay, in the first four rows, would you move towards the middle of your section? And everybody else that's not in the first four rows, I want you guys to get up and come towards the front. I see one person in this entire front row. Uh, we're not going to do this every week, but just for this week, I want you guys to, if you're towards the back, if you guys just stand up and kind of move towards the front. And if you're wearing a mask and you want to stay back, that's okay. Um, but everyone else who's not wearing a mask, come and move towards the front. Watch, next week everybody's going to show up with a mask, so this won't, this won't happen again. <laughs> I brought this chair up with me, and I'm going to sit down for the rest of this sermon, because um, I want this to be something that we're engaging with together. Something that we're sitting down, and each of us individually are asking the question, how, what does it look like for me to live a life in the spirit. I've been reading this book called Participating in God um, by Paul Fittes. It's a pastoral doctrine to the Trinity. So it's talking about the Trinity. It's very deep, very intentional and all these things. And the whole premise of the book is that it's better to think of God rather than the persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, more as like relationships. And get this, not three different persons that have a relationship, but no, the essences of them in themselves being relationships or the Trinity, one event in three relationships. And his point is, if this is true, if this is really how the Trinity is, then we cannot know God by observation. We cannot look, we cannot study, we cannot do these things and know God, but it is only by participation that we truly know God. It's only when we set aside our selfish desires and truly love others. We don't, just, uh, we don't just complete a commandment of God, but we experience a God who is love. When we are compassionate with others, we don't just do something that makes God happy. We experience a God who is compassion. When we stand up for the weak and the marginalized, we don't just see a God that likes justice and does justice, but we experience a God who is justice. That's why, especially in this point in the sermon series, that we take a moment and we say, now what does this mean for me to truly participate in this? What does it look like for you to live a life in the spirit? Father in heaven, as we seek you over the next 18 and a half minutes, we ask that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, it's our hope and our desire that you come and move among us. God of creation who established life and meaning in all things, show us how to respond today. Show us how to participate. Make your word take flesh and action in our lives here and now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to read the majority of Acts chapter four. And I want you all to follow along. We're not reading it out loud together, but I have a few volunteers up here to help me just so you don't have to listen to me the whole time that you, we read this because it's a little long. But engage in your Bible, whether it's on your phone or in your hands um, physically. Let's read Acts chapter four. Noah, you can begin. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. Because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard this message believed. 
that the number of the men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by the way, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved." When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men have, that these men have been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. Where are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sin, sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any farther among the people, we must warn, we must warn them to speak no longer anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the, men who was for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Ponticus Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. 
Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. Can we give them a hand for helping out? Hey guys, good job. What did you notice in this passage? In my opinion, and why we chose this specific passage, because all throughout Acts, there's incredible examples of how to live a life in the Spirit. A few things I just want us to, to touch on, though. One, Peter and John were preaching and healing people together. Their words in their met, their, sorry, their words were met by their actions. Okay, if any of you note takers out there, note that. Their actions matched their words. And this was just like Jesus. Even when Jesus wasn't healing, when he wasn't performing miraculous signs, just the way he lived, the things that he did, he always practiced what he preached. His actions always matched his words. And isn't it crazy that it was obvious that Peter and John had power. They were moving and working and doing things with power. I mean, the rulers and the teachers that, who had authority, they wouldn't have bothered. They wouldn't have cared if they thought this was just nothing, right? I mean, they didn't even know what to do, so they had to arrest them just to stop, you know, making a ruckus, I guess. And so the next day when they see that, they, answer, they ask the exact same question that they asked Jesus back in Matthew 21. By what power and by what name are you doing these things? And of course, in verse eight, what we just read, it said, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if you are being called to account today on the act of kindness, let's skip a little bit down, after he starts calling them out by saying, Jesus was the stone the builders rejected. He said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. They're just doing and saying what Jesus had said. And no matter what, and you see this time and time again through the book of Acts, that when trials come, when questions arise, they always point to Jesus. They always point to Jesus. I don't know if you noticed, I also love the part where it said, these guys are just ordinary people, <laughs> right? So um, do you ever find yourself just feeling like, you know what, I see all these amazing things. I see all these things that God's doing around the world, but I'm just an ordinary dude. Don't exclude yourself from answering this question. It's obvious to these rulers and teachers be like, I can't believe this power is coming from them because they're just ordinary people. So for all you ordinary people out there, what does it look like for you to live a life in the spirit. Verse 13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished. And what does it say? They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wouldn't that be a great response? If you're living your life, you're pointing to Jesus, the things that come up, the questions that arise, and even in the confusion, even if people don't understand why you're acting this way or why you're saying these things, the, the one thing that they know is like, wow, this person seems like 
they've been with Jesus. In Acts 3, just the chapter before, we see a very similar thing. Peter healing somebody. People running towards him, looking to see. In verse 12, in the previous chapter, it says, and then Peter responded to all of the onlookers and said, why does this surprise you? You stare at us as if it's our power and our godliness that has made this man walk. But it is by faith in Jesus that this man is healed. In every single little situation, if we want to live our life by the Spirit, can, may we point to Jesus. One quick little example that came to mind as I was preparing for this is my old boss who I was working for. He told an incident where he met a homeless person and he explained the situation. They were asking for money and all this stuff. And we've probably all been there and it's like, well, should I give him money? Should I not? Was he going to use it for all this stuff? And uh, he said, this time I felt a deep conviction to give him something, to give him money. Uh, he said, I, I don't know why, but I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to give him money. So he did. He gave, he gave this homeless person some, some money and the homeless person was really grateful. And he said, man, you're such a great guy. And he responded to him. He says, no, no, I'm not. Actually, if you knew my heart, I mean, I am, I'm a terrible guy. But it's Jesus Christ who has changed my life and Jesus Christ who prompts me and touches my heart to do good things. It's him, not me. And that same power is available to you too. Even in the smallest things, are we pointing to Jesus? As I was talking with some of these notes to my wife, um, she said, you know, there's that thing like your, your life goes wherever you look. Your whole being kind of follows where you point to, where you look. Anything come to mind? You know, this is, I feel like, just a normal thing in life. That's, that's just one of the, it's, um, uh, what's, what's the word? Counterintuitive. But it's how life works. I think of mowing. The first time I mowed the grass when I was a, when I was a kid, and my lines were all over the place, Right? My dad came out and said, okay, I want you to look at the very end. Don't look right in front of you, but look at the very end of the row that you're about to mow and keep your eyes focused on that one point and then your line is gonna be straighter. So, well, how do I know, you know if I'm mowing the thing right in front of me? He says, don't worry about it, you will. If you keep your eyes focused on the end, you will, you will go straight. And it's so true. My wife brought up horseback riding. She's a big horseback rider. And she says, it's crazy when you're going on a jump or you're going on this thing, you don't look where you're landing. You look on your next point. You look into the turn. And even this giant beast under you understands where, you, where you're looking. It feels your body. It feels where you're wanting to go. And it follows. And I think, okay, I hear you, but I like motorcycles a lot better. And I remember I took a, um, the Abate motorcycle driving course when I was 16 and uh, there's a few counterintuitive things about motorcycle riding, and you probably know this. If, if uh, you're taught when you're going into a turn, you don't look where you are, but you look into the turn. And it's a really weird thing. Your body just kind of naturally pulls the bike where it needs to go into the turn. When we set our eyes and we fix our actions and our posture towards Jesus and we point to him, the rest of your being is just inclined to follow. We're gonna do a few specific things. Um, or we're just gonna do this twice. We're gonna have a time of prayer. I'm not just going to pray, but I'm going to bring up a few things that I would like you all to pray just silently to yourself. I'll lead through a few different things and I want you to have this time of prayer. Um, 
right where you're at. You can stand up, you can sit down, you can go to your knees, however you're most comfortable. Let's go to a time of prayer right now and follow these few promptings that I mentioned. First, I want us to bring to God and just confess the times in our lives where we have not pointed to him. Bring before God right now where you've taken your eyes off and you've perhaps elevated other things in your life above pointing to Jesus. Would you ask God right now to take this issue, take this blessing, take this situation of doubt or anxiety or whatever it is going on in your life right now, would you take that and lay it at the foot of the cross? Ask him for courage and boldness. Amen. Now, I feel like you don't have to look very far in the book of Acts to see that Peter and John are not the only ones that were so bold, that were so courageous. I think of the example of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. It was through reading Acts when, during these sermon series where I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to be just reading through Acts myself, the, you know, the, whole, the whole book. And it was the, kind of the first time I think I realized that Stephen, who was killed for his belief in Jesus, it wasn't just what he said, but people made up things that were false. He was killed not just about his belief, but he was killed by the wrong and incorrect things that people brought up on purpose, rumors about him. And what did he do? How did he respond? I sure would want to be defensive. Well, I didn't say those things. I didn't do that. Yeah, I'm preaching the name of Jesus, but what are you guys talking about? But in his boldness, he continued to preach the word of God even unto his death. He wasn't defensive. He was bold. Going back to the chapter that we're reading right now, okay, Peter and John, they must have been scared, I think, taken in front of the, the rulers and the leaders. And when they were released, they went back to their own people. And what was their response? What was their response? Did they hide? Did they leave? Did they flee? No, they probably hit their knees and then they prayed. Not probably, they prayed. I know they prayed. I don't know if they hit their knees, but they prayed. And in the final portion of their prayer, if you look at it in verse 29, I believe. Yes, in verse 29, chapter four, verse 29, what was their response? What did they ask for? It says, now, Lord, Consider their threats and enable your servants, us, to speak your word with great boldness. And it says at the end of the section that we read, that we read 
the earth shook. Now, if you look back in the Old Testament, these different times where the earth shook, it always represented the presence of God. And I think in that moment, God seeing them in their distress, seeing them in this, seeing their heart to want to firmly and boldly preach the gospel, he said, I'm here. We have boldness, not because of the things that we can offer to the world, not because of our own strength, but we have boldness because God is with us. I think Jesus was very, very intentional right before he ascended into heaven and he gave us the great commission. He didn't just end with make disciples, but he ends with, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's this quote from Mother Teresa that I'll share before we go into another time of prayer that says, a sacrifice to be real must cost, must hurt, and must empty ourselves. Give yourself fully to God, and he will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in his love than in your weakness. Let's spend a few more minutes in prayer as I lead us through several things. Father in heaven, we seek your boldness. We seek your presence in our life. And right now, we lift up those things that we are anxious about. We lift up those things where we know that we have ourselves taken the back seat and we have not been courageous. We lift these up before you. And again, we confess where we have not been bold. Let's do this now. you're not sure where those things are in your life, ask God right now to reveal them. God, where do I need to be bold in my life? When we pray, it's okay even if there's silence. It's okay when we pray, even when we're not sure what to say, but we say, God, what do you wanna do in my life? God, how are you leading me? Holy Spirit, come and work and move in power in my life. Ask God, not just right now, but all throughout this week as you're continuing to read through the book of Acts, God, what does it look like for me to live a life in the Spirit? I see these men, I see these women, I see these examples all throughout Acts, but what does it look like for me right now, 2022, in my context to live a life in the Spirit? Bring this request before God right now. Father, we lift these things up through the power of your Holy Spirit. And through Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.